Welcome to Native America Calling, I'm Sean Spruce. A town on the eastern edge of the Navajo Nation recently completed a project incorporating historical ties into a series of community trails. It's both a means for encouraging healthy outdoor recreation and an expression of the traditional connections to the land. We'll talk about this collaboration among a community youth group and the National Park Service to create a tribal community amenity on the next Native America Calling. National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. Interior Secretary Deb Holland recently celebrated the restoration of a bison range with tribes in northwest Montana. Montana Public Radio's Freddie Manadas has more. So please let us a big round of applause for my hero, Secretary of the Interior, Deb Allen. Confederated Salish and Kootenai Tribes Chairman Tom McDonald introduced Holland to a crowd of several hundred people inside the Salish Kootenai College's basketball gym on Saturday. Holland says with the loss of tribal homelands and depletion of bison herds, tribes have lost traditional connections with bison. But in spite of that tragedy and loss, we are still here. You are still here. And that's something to celebrate. Holland says the restoration is a culmination of Native people's resilience, conservation guided by indigenous knowledge, and the Biden administration's commitment to honor treaty obligations. She says it's a return to something pure and sacred. In late 2020, Congress passed and former President Donald Trump signed a bill returning management of the bison range to the tribes. The federal government unlawfully took the land in the 1900s. Chairman McDonald says the bison range is more than a restoration of land for the tribes. It's a restoration of a peace that has been missing and a gift to pass on to future generations. For us to share this story and begin our healing journey here with the first American woman secretary of the interior elicits emotions in all of us that I cannot put into words. For National Native News, I'm Freddie Monadis. Despite the crisis of missing and murdered indigenous people, only a small number of cases are listed in federal databases. The Mountain West News Bureau's Robin Vincent reports these omissions are getting noticed and drawing frustration. During a recent committee hearing, Senator Ben Ray Lujan of New Mexico pointed out there are nearly 10,000 cases of missing and murdered indigenous people. Yet the combined number of cases listed by the Department of Justice and Bureau of Indian Affairs is roughly 60. The goal of all of us is to bring more attention here. Uh, undermining this is going to show that, oh, don't worry, we got it under control. No one needs to do anything. And that's terribly wrong. A representative with the Bureau of Indian Affairs told the senator one reason for the dearth of info was a personnel change. He said shortly after the launch of their website, an employee responsible for data entry left. Senator Lujan said his office is monitoring the number of cases, or lack thereof, listed in the federal databases. He urged federal officials to prioritize an issue that advocates say is slipping through the cracks. For National Native News, I'm Robin Vincent. 
19 U.S. senators are requesting the Senate Committee on Indian Affairs hold a hearing on legislation to establish a Truth and Healing Commission on Indian boarding schools. The commission would investigate, document, and acknowledge injustices of federal government policies, including attempts to terminate Native culture, assimilation, and human rights violations. During a recent House subcommittee hearing on the House version of the bill, tribal leaders and advocates called for its passage. Shawnee Chief Ben Barnes testified. So this commission's purpose is not to point fingers, lay blame, or evoke guilt in people who are generations removed from these atrocities. It will simply help American Indian communities find information that would otherwise be unattainable and bring an opportunity for some semblance of closure. We cannot go back and change the past. But we can and must hold ourselves accountable for doing the right thing today. The stories of human suffering at these institutions can no longer be hidden from view or ignored. It is time that they, that they take their place in public conscience. Last week, the senators sent a letter to leaders of the Indian Affairs Committee requesting the hearing. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by the American Indian College Fund, providing millions of dollars of scholarships to Native students every year. Applications for the upcoming school year are now accepted at collegefund.org or by phone at 800-766-FUND. Support by the Albuquerque Hispano Chamber of Commerce's Convention and Tourism Department, providing complete convention and visitor planning services to Hispanic and Native American conventions. Information on convention and tourism services at ahcnm.org. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Accessible hiking and interpretive trails have a way of adding cohesiveness to a community. They invite people to participate in outdoor amenities a specific place or location has to offer. And it gives both locals and outsiders a way to engage with the environment in a healthy way. The Get Community Project in Crown Point, New Mexico on the Navajo Nation recently opened with established trails accompanied by reinterpreted information developed with tribal input. The project helps inform those using the trails of the land's long-lasting historical importance. A tribal youth group collaborated with the National Park Service on the project. It's a unique partnership and a potential model for other projects elsewhere. This hour, we're going to learn more about the project and how it came about. If you have an interpretive project in your area that promotes healthy activity and tribal knowledge, we'd like to include you in our conversation. Give us a call, 1-800-996-2848. That's one 800 99-NATIVE. Joining us on the show today from Tucson, Arizona is Daniel Vandiver. He's a volunteer with the Get Community Project. He's Navajo. Daniel, welcome back to Native America Calling. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate um, you shedding some light on what we're doing out in New Mexico and the work we've been doing uh, within the community of Crown Point. So really appreciate the time. You bet, Daniel. So, so it's great to have you back on the show. And this is such a cool grassroots project in Crown Point, New Mexico. Tell us, what was the inspiration for a community trail? Well, the inspiration really was the community itself. It started out of a collaborative effort 
stemming from the Crown Point chapter. Um, their watch, community watch and awareness group uh, was really identified as a necessary uh, need to have safe walking trails in town um, to better connect our community, but to also provide opportunities for um, improving health outcomes, educational outcomes, and really connecting back to the land in which um, the town was uh, founded. So I think uh, all those things coming together and wanting to provide a space where um, outdoor recreation could happen within the community uh, was a central focus of it and hoping to provide pathways that could connect our town not only towards the present but the past as well. So um, fortunately for us, we were able to have a lot of partners coming on the project, which has sustained it to this point. So um, I think any project that is sustained has to come from the community itself, uh, which is was, was you know really the importance of our project overall. Now I know this project was was a partnership with not only the National Park Service and the student group, but also. Uh, Navajo Tech also played a role. Can you talk more about that? Yeah, so actually um, what got it really going was through a grant that Navajo Technical University was awarded to National Park Services um, Rivers Trails Program. Um, and so um, from there, we really wanted to build our coalition to include as many community stakeholders as possible. And so over time, as we got it going, in collaboration with the Crown Point Chapter, uh, NTU and National Park Service, um, we started to get more investment um, from within, including participation from the Office of Diné Youth, um, Crown Point Healthcare Facility, and then um, the Prevention Research Center, which is out of New Mexico as well. So um, from that, I think uh, the effort was really about engaging input from the community itself. So we spent about three years actually taking the project to the community, um, visiting the chapter house, visiting uh, community land use and planning meetings, going to the Elder Center, working with the youth at Navajo Technical University and the high schools, and really collecting input on, you know, what pathways are there in town, for to focus on formalizing those pathways, what amenities would you imagine being housed on each trail to um, encourage participation, include populations that might not be using them currently, but being mindful of those who are using them for day-to-day -day travel within the town, um, walking to the local grocery stores or um, the healthcare facility, wherever it might be. So I think um, that process was really the focus of the start of the collaboration with National Park Service was how do we take a project like trails and then take it to the community in order to get and have it designed towards their wants and needs. So as I mentioned, any project that's going to be sustained, especially in the community like Crown Point, it has to come from within, which was the focus of our efforts. Right, right. And then I understand there are already some informal trails in, in Crown Point. I think you just mentioned those. And, and how is the trail different from those pre-existing ones? Well, I think the beauty of the trails is that they're not different. Um, the only thing that we're doing is formalizing them, in a sense, 
making sure that they're accessible to people of all ages, making sure that they're designed to grade. So elders, youth, whoever it might be, um, could use them while still being mindful of um, things like land erosion, things that um, things in place are in place right now are cutting through those trails and making them hard to be used by everybody. And so um, fortunately, everything that was identified within the community itself um, was already established either by people walking within town or what we like to kind of joke around and saying that there were established sheep, tra sheep trails uh, that were just mm -hmm. developed over time of people passing through town or um, walking along the trails. So uh, our whole goal was to identify what trails are being used the most, um, which could be leveraged and um, be used not only within the community, but perhaps visitors to our community. Crown Point is the home to uh, two universities, tribal colleges and universities, a uh, IHS, and uh, it's really this capital of the Eastern Agency of the Navajo Nation. So we have a lot of people come from without the community as well. So how do you design a trail system that meets the needs both of the locals and our visitors? And if you know Crown Point, it's basically a gateway to Chaco culture, Chaco Canyon, a lot of those historic sites. And I'm sure uh, Mr. Perry Leonard will be able to talk more about that. But Crown Point is growing and they have a lot of aspirations um, of developing it's, the town. Um, so it certainly is. Yeah, right. and, and I think what's so fascinating about this project is is all the different elements that it incorporates. You mentioned the need for, for just, you know, pedestrian access there in the community and the cultural and historical connection, as well as tourism and um, the physical aspects of just getting out and getting that exercise. So three years of, of planning and outreach with the community, and then how long did it actually take to, to make the trail? And when, what's the status now? It's open, right? Well, it's, it's, it's getting there. I think what we celebrated was the launch of the trail system and that we were able to put up our first trailhead sign and developed probably about a half a mile of trail um, towards what I was discussing. But Crown Point's unique in that it falls on checkerboard land, which means that there's a lot of different land jurisdictions, landowners you have to work through. So you can't just lay out a trail and then um, expect to develop and have everything go, especially because it's all chopped up. So what we've had to do, since we do cross private land, tribal trust land, executive order land, is we've had to engage the various stakeholders, including the BIA, the chapter itself, and as mentioned, those private land uh, owners, in order to get it going. And so where we've developed and what we've celebrated up until this point is a land on tribal trust land that was withdrawn for the Office of Diné Youth. And we're able to develop on that because they've already got all of their clearances. They've done all their archeological assessments um, and things that are necessary if you're gonna do any development in the area. So what we have to do now is really kind of work with our other partners in getting that land withdrawn, um, establishing some type of right of way so we could go about it the right way and have these um, these trails sustained well into the future. Even though they already exist, it's just really a complex situation that you have to work sounds, with. And so, yeah, it sounds like it. And so many different um, stakeholders involved in making sure you've got permits and easements and right of ways, like you mentioned. 
Uh, Daniel, for, for some people that might not be familiar with the landscape or might not have ever been to Crown Point, can you just give us a little bit of a visual description of, of Crown Point as a community and, and how the trails integrate into that whole landscape of what we think of as Crown Point, New Mexico? Right. Well, I think we're um, situated along the continental divide on the Colorado Plateau. So they sit about 6,000 feet um, elevation and it's a reservation town so to speak and so there isn't much opportunities for recreation even though the community is doing wonders and bringing in a wellness center um, aspiring to bring in a hotel things of that nature um, but outside of what's been established at this point there's very little recreation um, taking place outside of what's being done on the day-to-day efforts of the community. Uh, but it, it, it is an area um, that receives all four seasons, um, and it actually draws itself into the foothills of different mesas. Um, as I had mentioned, it's part of the old Chacoan culture network, um, establishing all the way from Colorado down to Chaco Canyon, and then uh, down into the Crown Point area, Crown Point area and heading west to the Lakuchigai Mountains. And so um, it's a land that's really complex in its history and that it does have the Chaco culture embedded into the area, but it's also been an established um, area for um, Astana and serving as a point of uh, central gathering. And so mm-hmm. we do have infrastructure, buildings, hospitals, universities, as mentioned, uh, but it's still growing and developing. So um, I think being a part of this and taking advantage of it right now is is necessary because we're at that unique time where you could bring all those histories together. Yeah, absolutely. Daniel, we're going to talk more after the break. So anybody with a question or comment, give us a call. We'll be right back. What does it mean to control your own narrative? And what does that mean for your bottom line? The Native storytelling tradition is a powerful tool for maintaining a focused and effective message about your tribe's culture and success. I'm Alyssa London. Join us on the next Native America Calling as we go live from the Reservation Economic Summit in Las Vegas. Program support by Amerind. For 35 years, Indian Country has put its trust in Amerind, providing insurance coverage, strengthening Native American communities, protecting tribal sovereignty, and keeping dollars in Indian Country are Amerind's priorities. More information on property, liability, workers' compensation, and commercial auto needs at Amerind.com. That's A M E R I N D.com. Thanks for tuning in to Native America Calling today. I'm Sean Spruce. We're talking about a project years in the making that turns community trails on the Navajo Nation into a pathway to connect with the area's historical ties to land and culture. If you'd like to join our discussion, just give us a call at 1-800-996-2848. 1-800-996-2848. We're speaking with volunteer Daniel Vandiver who worked on the Ke Community Trail Project. And Daniel, you mentioned uh, that students have been heavily involved in, in the process. Have they participated in all phases of this project? 
Uh, yes, sir. To the extent of which we could include them. Um, we we're fortunate enough to receive a grant under the New Mexico Department of Tourism Clean and Beautiful Program, uh, which has allowed us to bring them in on specific projects. Um, but from the start, it's really imperative to us to reach out to the youth in figuring out what uh, trails to identify and develop, especially since if we want to make this network sustainable, you know, it's for the future. Our youth are the mm -hmm. future stewards of the land and maintaining this trail network. And so we made it a point to really bring them to the forefront of this project, because if they take care of the trails, then that will last well into the future and build a culture around it. So um, we've been involved with different entities, including the Office of Diné Youth, um, and doing a lot of the trail work. Um, we were able to purchase some tools through a private donation out of the Albuquerque Foundation in which they were actually put to work and started doing a lot of the trail remediations um, that were necessary. Uh, but we also used the university NTU um, construction technology and welding technology programs to uh, construct our first trailhead sign. And so a big part of this was that we wanted to be able to provide opportunities for the youth to apply what they're learning in their studies to something that's really important to the community, again, with the intent that they will be able to carry forth and take care of what we're creating today. And so all of that collaboration um, has made everything possible this far and has really um, raised our hopes in it being taken care of well into the future. Well, that's really great to get all of this background and this collaborative effort, Daniel. Thank you. Our next guest is speaking with us from Crown Point, New Mexico. Leonard Perry is the Crown Point Chapter Vice President and Community Land Use Planning Committee President. He's Navajo. Leonard, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you very much. Um, privileged to be a Native American colleague and from Crown Point, New Mexico. Leonard, it's so great to have you on. What's your been? What's been your role in the community project? Well, my role or our roles from the Crown Point chapter is that you know we're pretty much involved with the community development uh, in terms of economic, recreational, um, health projects, and um, so that's where we come in from the Crown Point chapter is that the community trails is a pretty much a, um, a project that involves economic development, tourism, health, education, and we, we want to see Crompton grow. But we, it should be part of a smart growth um, um, involvement with all these projects that we're doing here. So from the Crompton chapter, um, a chapter is a, a sub-government of the Navajo Nation there's 110 chapters on the Navajo Reservation, and Crown Point is one of them. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to develop the community so that the, uh, the members here in Crown Point can have a better um, environment to live in. And that's where the community trail comes in. Comes in. So being a part of this co uh, coalition, uh, we try to help uh, each project and with that community um, trails. Uh, the chapter did provide two resolutions in support of this project. 
There was one to recognize the trails and uh, another one to um, approve the action plan that they're working on, the coalition is working on. So we have a lot going from the Crown Point chapter site. Um, personally, I do, myself, I do a lot of hiking, running. So I do utilize the trails. Um, and I want to see the improvements being made. It must be made with teamwork. There has to be teamwork involved here. Just like mm-hmm. uh, Daniel just mentioned a while ago, um, you're dealing with jurisdictions. We're in the checkerboard area here in the Eastern Agency comes Eastern Agency, um, Eastern Other Agency uh, of the reservation. And we're dealing with different land statuses. So right now, as we're trying to develop the uh, trails here in Crompton, you know, you have, just like Daniel mentioned a while ago, you have the trust, uh, trust land, you have fee land, you have state land, uh, BLM land, and then you have allotments here. And so, you know, you have to deal with those. And sometimes they're barriers, and then you have to work through them. In addition to that, you have land tracks. You have to work with the, uh, just like Daniel mentioned, the Wallace Naval Nation Office of MAU. They have a land track that where we're trying to work on the trails. Galton Kennedy County School System has a land track where we're trying to work on the trails. Um, now we're technical college, math college. So, you know, there's different land tracks here in addition to the statuses. And, you know, it's doable. We can do it. It's just a matter of working with the um, different entities that have these land statuses. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so interesting. All these different land statuses, and and again, these different uh, stakeholders and organizations that that have uh, acts, you know, control or have rights to some of these these land areas. So, with regard to all of these different logistics that you're working with, are you able to just kind of build the trail gradually as you get these different approvals and whatnot, or do you need everything in place first? I mean, how does that actually? factor into just the timeline for this project, having to deal with all of these different uh, land issues that you speak of? Well, right now we're, we're working with, the, with what we call the Eskishni um, Trail, which is the plan name, and it's basically all on trust land. Um, the land tracks, uh, Office of the Youth, is part of that, and then the Galton Kennedy County School, but it's on trust land. So that makes it a little easier for us. So that's where we started. The next four, the next three trails that we're going to start working on, um, partially is on executive order land. That means we have to work with the BIA. So they have their CFR, you know, um, federal regulations. So we have, they have to work on that. And in addition to that, it's a nation to nation. Uh, cooperation. Mm-hmm. So that's where the, our council delegate comes in. Uh, his name is Mark Phelan. So those things get in the way, but it, it can be, like I said, it can be done. Um, sure, sure. So we're, we're starting with the easiest part of the, uh, the trail project, and then we're going to develop further along the way with the other land uh, uh, owners. Okay. And Leonard, so far, what has been the community response to the trail? Very positive. Like I said, um, it, 
Daniel said this a while ago, it's for the community. We're trying to make it so that um, each entity in town here, whether it's IHS, BIA, the colleges, the school systems, the housing, we're trying to make it into one unit, utilizing this trail. And, you know, the BIA is only about 200 yards from the chapter house. Yet, because of the land status, they're like hundreds of miles away because we have to work in a nation to nation type right. um, working environment. So, we're trying to uh, keep this community as a unit, utilizing the trails. So, I think that's important for us here. Um, so, the community is involved, and also it's their benefit. Because um, part of the program that we want to do here with the trails is educational. Um, we want to teach the youngsters about the history of Crown Point, also the history of the Southwest pertaining to this region. There's uh, several Navajo defensive sites dating back to the 1700s, 1800s in this location. And then, as Daniel said a while ago, you have the Chacones. Uh, Towering House is a charcoal great great house, right a few miles on the east side of Crumple. And they, the Chacorns, um, hundreds of years ago, built their rooms. And you can still see them. You can still see the outline. You can still see the steps that they made. So trails is nothing new to us here. It's part of our culture. And we need to uh, revisit that culture, that part of the culture. Okay. And Leonard, I'm glad you mentioned these landmarks, Chaco Canyon, and some of these other historic areas that are kind of incorporated into the whole design and the whole vision of this project. And um, I'm curious also how the trail will link its function into other attractions in the area. And I heard that there's an idea to maybe align the trail with the Crown Point rug auction, for example. Can you talk about that? Yes. This is all our cultural aspects. Um, the heritages that we try to teach the young people. Weaving is one of them. Uh, there's stories behind the rugs. The rugs, each one individually, there's stories behind it. So um, we're trying to teach the, uh, the young people the importance of um, trails. Uh, in addition to that, we're trying to connect communities. Vicente uh, Chapter is only a few miles, about eight miles on the north side of us. Little Water Chapter, about 15 miles east of us. Naughty Street Chapter on the west side. Uh, Mariano Lake, which is about 20 miles uh, southwest from us. So by utilizing trails, we, in our one of our long-term goals is to connect these communities, either by bike trails, horseback uh, trails, or maybe just um, hiking trails. So we're trying to, as a region, reconnect to other communities. So there's, there's a lot of benefits to these trails. Yeah, it certainly sounds like that. And, and I love this idea of connecting these communities and, and giving people a way to access uh, one another without having to drive, right? Being able to walk, being able to ride a mountain bike or even by horseback, as you mentioned. And um, Leonard, the, how can people access the trails right now? Are they within walking distance from many homes and, and other businesses or buildings there in Crown Point? 
Yes, it's right in the trails are right in the community. So you know, you just need to go outside your your house if you're living in Compton and just uh, go to these trails. They're accessible. They're right there in town. Um, it's been utilized for years already. Uh, all we're trying to do is make it more fun, more uh, uh, safety-wise, make it so that everybody can utilize it. Um, just a few areas that needs to be um, developed so that there's more um, traffic control type. There is a, a place um, on the north side of town that we're trying to do a, a pedestrian pedestrian bridge so that they don't have to cross the road. They can just walk over it. So that's some of the things that we're trying to work on so it will be a, a more safe, safer environment. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the health and fitness benefits. Does the trail offer unique opportunities for exercise and, and fitness as well? Yes, it does. Um, for example, on the south side, what we call the, the Cheney Trail or the TP Trail, um, it's, a, it's a more um, strenuous type trail because it's in towards the mesas. So it kind of slopes upwards. There's trees, rocks. Um, I do some running there. Um, it does challenge you. But there's others where you can just walk uh, through town to get to a grocery store here, a uh, basher store. So it depends which trail you take. Uh, there's some that are easier to take, and then some that requires a little bit more strenuous effort. And Leonard, how about uh, community elders there in Crown Point? Have they been involved with the project as well? Oh, yes. Uh, I do see elders walking and uh, um, um, New Mountain Trail, which is an old um, community school track field. It's an old um, football field that has, still has a track field attached, attached to it. So I see the elders walking there. Um, it's pretty level. Uh, it's, it's easy to walk on. And we do want to educate the elders on on doing these trails, you know, take take your time, you know, take breaks. We want to put some benches around these areas. Um, so we're trying to make it easier for them. And we keep them in mind. We keep the elders in mind. Well, it's great to hear that they're so involved. And I also read that the trail has plans to include some pretty cutting-edge technologies, such as augmented reality as part of one of the features, how will that work? Augmented reality on the trail. Um, I think that's pretty much the um, um, objectivity of education. You know, we mm-hmm. want to utilize the cell phones and how they can connect to some of these um, uh, plants, but also historical cultural sites too. You know, they can tune in and they can learn about the plant life. Uh, botany is very important. So, you know, technology does come in and we want to utilize it so that the young people can learn, you know, what's around them, learn about the environment, learn about the history, learn about the culture. Yeah, it's just wonderful that it sounds like all community members are really involved in this 
project from from young people, even elementary school aged uh, participants, high school age students are involved. There, of course, Diné College and Navajo Tech, as well as elders, uh, chapter houses, and, and so many partners in this exciting project. And listeners, if you've got any questions or if you've got any comments, if this is something that interests you in your own community, developing uh, a trail like this for folks to get out and, and get healthy, exercise and learn more about the landscape, learn more about the history and the culture of your community, this is a really fascinating way in which Native communities can do that. So please give us a call, 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. If you don't feel like picking up that phone, connect with us online at 1-800-99-NATIVE. That's our Twitter handle, or you can also reach us on Facebook or our website, nativeamericacalling.com. We make it really easy for our listeners to provide input and feedback for our shows, and we've got a great one today learning about this community project in Crown Point, New Mexico. I'm your host, Sean Spruce, and we're going to be back right after this short break. Support for this program provided by the American Indian Higher Education Consortium, the collective spirit and unifying voice of 37 tribal colleges and universities. For over 45 years, AHEC has worked to ensure that tribal sovereignty is recognized and respected and that tribal colleges and universities are included in this nation's higher education system. Information on a tribal college or university near you at AIHEC.org. You're listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're talking about a valuable collaboration among city leaders, federal park officials, and the Navajo Nation to create a community resource. And there is still time to get in on the conversation. Call in at 1 800 996 2848. That's 1 800 99 Native. Our third guest today is joining us from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Attila Ballady is an outdoor recreation planner with the National Park Service. Attila, great to have you on Native America Calling. Welcome. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity today to be on the show. Attila, let's talk more about this partnership between the Park Service and the students who worked on the trail. How did that come about? Sure. Um, a little context helps here is how uh, the Park Service operates and, and one of our programs that serves the entire nation, not just uh, the park units themselves, and that is the Rivers, Trails, and Conservation Assistance Program. And we have a staff, um, six Navy staff nationwide, that work in communities, tribal nations, state governments, um, nonprofit organizations to help them improve and develop their parks, trails, open space, river access, um, tribal, and you know cultural resource protection. And we have an annual application process that we look and take on projects across the country. Um, and we take on about 300 projects, new projects a year. In this case, it was Navajo Technical University that applied for assistance for our program to help them think through how to move forward on a trail plan for Crown Point. And so we reviewed that application. We scored it among everything else in the Intermountain region. And it came out as a very, very strong project because it met several of our strategic framework objectives, uh, including that uh, healthy outdoor recreation opportunities, uh, working with youth, 
um, conserving natural lands and looking at the conservation of the resources around Crown Point, and then strengthening the organizational capacity of this group to carry the project forward. So scoring well in those categories uh, made it pretty easy for us to say this is a really strong project for us to work in this space. So that's how we got started on it, um, right before kind of COVID hit. Mm -hmm. Well, that sounds really fascinating. And I'll start from this grant. And what kind of support did the Park Service provide in addition to the grant? Was there a lot of technical assistance with the design and the construction of the trail as well? Right. Our, our technical assistance program is the grant. So we provide staff time to our communities. We're not a financial sponsor. So in this case, we were offering about uh, four pay periods a year of time to to work with uh, the Crown Point partners in advancing this project. Mainly was my time as a project manager to move forward. So the technical assistance came in the fact that um, helping them think through a community civic engagement process. How do we engage the youth? How do we engage the elders? How do we engage the health community and other partners? Um, thinking those through so we have a really good foundation for uh, moving the project forward. And as both uh, our previous speakers mentioned that um, success comes from from that commitment from the ground up. And then success comes from the commitment that the chapter officials and others um, support what the community wants to see. So both of those happen here with our work and that civic engagement please. The other piece is just helping move forward uh, a work plan, a, a, a roadmap, if you will, of how to get from we want to improve these trails, so here is a document that lays out how we're going to do it, uh, what it's going to take, um, who do we need to talk to to get it done, and, and get it adopted by the chapter. So it's, it's taking that great idea and putting it into bite-sized pieces to move forward. And as both Leonard and Daniel mentioned, um, the, the first piece of the ODY loop is, is kind of the um, – demonstration piece that says, yes, these partners can work together under challenging conditions and challenging resources to get funding and, and make something good happen. And that shows the rest of the community that we're serious about moving forward. The other technical assistance we offered was um, the background and experience we have in trail assessment and mapping work. So um, one of our earlier projects, we wanted to find out where people, what trails are used the most. So we um, trained a number of volunteers on uh, using a couple of online mapping, phone-based mapping software like Avenza, and, and collected information of where people are walking. And that helped us inform what trails might need to be improved first. So we used tools like that. Um, we also used the Navajo Tech GIS program to help um, do some data population for us. And then most important, I think, was the trail assessment work of looking at everything out there, helping them understand what a sustainable trail is, what it looks like, what are the grades um, that people can walk on comfortably, what kind of trails do we want for, for all ages from 8 to 80 that can use it, um, what trails might need to be fully universally accessible, and what are those standards and guidelines for those things. So helping them go through an assessment process also helped inform what are the priority trails for improvement within Crown Point. And then the third okay. piece was actually finally offering trail construction training to the youth. 
and putting a youth crew together. Okay, so those all those parts. And uh, I understand you are also a trail design specialist, so you've got a lot of experience in, in designing trails and constructing trails. And I'm interested in learning more about that construction process because I know, I think it was, uh, I think it was Daniel that mentioned having gotten the tools and everything like that. And does it require a lot of special tools and equipment to construct the trail? Um, if we're working with youth crews, it's learning uh, how to work with the correct hand tools. Most of those are similar to the firefighting tools of the Pulaski and the pickaxe and the McLeod for raking and then um, shovels and some rock bars. So they're not um, too specialized tools, but uh, the heavy, the good graded tools that last for a while, you're not going to find at the local big box store. So it's finding the right tools. Um, the trail construction techniques is, is working with the landscape, working with the contours, working with the drainage. Um, it's not as simple as people think of running a, a bobcat through and blading an area out and let people walk on it. So, you know, we right. look for that sustainability component. Is it, is it easy to maintain? Is it lay lightly on the land? Is it uh, so, so protection from erosion? Is it not going to wash away in the next flash flood, monsoon rain? So training the kids on those techniques and other volunteers, as we rebuild them, we can see what is too steep or what is not too steep, what's a fall line trail, and then help them through that process. So it's a matter of, of understanding, um, having trail eyes to see how it's going to lay on the land. And my analogy is, is almost all animals like to contour and walk around slopes. Only humans go straight up and down things. So <laughs> thinking about how wildlife moves around on trails uh, maybe sheep aren't a great example either, but for the most part, most wildlife do pretty lightly contour around, and it's humans that have to go straight up and down to conquer some hill. And those are our uh, sustainability problems, those straight up and down trails we try to avoid. Okay. Well, it's really fascinating to hear about all these different issues, all these different challenges that you have to be mindful of. And you mentioned erosion. And I would imagine that's so important because it's not just a matter of building a trail for today. You have to think about what that trail is going to look like in 10, 15, or 20 years and, and how it's going to hold up over time. I, I'm really interested in learning more about the name Community Trails. Daniel, can you tell us that word? What does that mean in Navajo? Our community outreach period. Yes, can you hear me? Yeah, loud and clear, Daniel. Thank you. Yeah, okay. we can hear you, Daniel. Well, stemming from our community outreach period within those first three years, it was recommended from the community that there should be language or culture embedded into the trail system. And so somewhat right from the start, we had an idea um, that we're going to name the trail system after um, ke, which is a term referring to familial relations. Um, it's a concept that's really sustained uh, us Navajo since the beginning of time in establishing family connections. I'm related to this person by clan, and so there are four original clans uh, that the trail system was named after. Um, but eh, it has a deeper meaning. It just doesn't relate to relations to each other, but also to the environment, uh, to neighboring nations. And then to oneself as well um, is kind of what it speaks to. And so since we wanted to have an impact in connecting our community, 
but then also connecting trail users to the environment in which we live and our own paths and our own health, uh, it just kind of naturally fit into place. And so um, that's really the concept of uh, and how we wanted to embed it into the trail system. And Daniel, I'm thinking of people listening on the show right now and other native communities uh, all over other states, even up in Alaska as well. We've got so many listeners that, that tune into Native America Calling daily. And what do you recommend for folks that are interested in doing something similar in their communities? What's the first step? I think the first step is the one that we took in, in finding a nice core a group of people who are motivated in improving their community. You look at everything that's happening in the world right now, and it makes sense to have walking trails and to cut down on gas consumption and to protect the environment and to celebrate your own individual identity. So having that core unit of people committed to seeing improvement was, was was the best start for us. And then using that and leveraging that into including the community itself. As I mentioned, if the community's not behind it, people might not walk it people might not respect what was put up and try to continue it well into the future. So um, for me, especially in tribal communities, I think um, the locals, the people who are invested in the land, the area, if they're not on board, it's going to be hard to do any type of development that has meaning. So that would be my recommendation. Okay. And it sounds like just this comprehensive approach that you folks have done there in Crown Point with having all of these different partners from a wide range of disciplines has been so instrumental in your success. And I understand Navajo Tech has even designed a curriculum around the trail project and it includes environmental science and natural resources, Diné studies. Can you talk more about that curriculum? Well, it's, it's, it's in the works. That's what we'd like to reach out to them and connect our different partners into how do we sustain this well into the future. Up until this point, it's just been people who are like, hey, we want to offer our students a diverse learning experience, something that's extending what's being taught in the classroom out into the community. And so um, it started with individual programs. Certainly the Environmental Science and Natural Resources program had participated, GIS, welding technology, construction tech. But then this summer, they're going to be utilizing their summer dual credit program to then engage high school students into constructing a um, an additional trailhead for our system. They could use their technology to also get into the world of augmented reality, um, utilizing their digital manufacturing program. So there's a lot of different opportunities where this trail could be um, utilizing those educational outlets, um, even making connections to National Park Service and providing career opportunities that last beyond just this project. So. All of those things are kind of in the works, which we're really kind of chiseling out and working out collectively with all our partners. Yeah, that augmented reality uh, angle that we talked about earlier is just so cool and and folks being able to use a smartphone and I'm envisioning like, you know, being able to scan codes and get information. It's just, it's such a forward moving project. So, so vital, I think, to the community. And Attila, uh, the Park Service, have you participated in similar partnerships in other Native communities with trail projects like this, or was this a unique opportunity there in Crown Point? Um, we have. We have probably done two dozen uh, tribal projects from uh, working with uh, 
Kalispell Tribe, Northern Cheyenne, uh, the Yankton Sioux Tribal Garden, uh, Mescalero Apache, um, all over the place. 29 Palms is a new project working on the reservation trail. So we, we, um, we come into communities trying to understand that community, understand what their needs are, and work with them so we don't come with any kind of a preset agenda. It's like, what do you need? What, what's, how, how is this place important to you? Can we, and how can we help you uh, reach that goal of making this an uh, important community asset? Um, we're happy to work with any any community, and it's pretty easy to apply for our help. I'd say we have one of the most non-bureaucratic uh, applications for assistance out of the federal government, um, and it's uh, okay. go to nps.gov slash rtca to find out more about our program. But, yes, we have pretty good experience with tribal work. Okay, great. I'm glad you provided that that resource so listeners can, can go online and, and learn more about it about the program because it really does sound like a, a fantastic, fantastic opportunity. Attila, what, what's been your, your favorite part of uh, working closely with the Navajo Nation and, and the Crown Point community on making this trail project a reality? Uh, my favorite part is always working with the youth, um, teaching them the trail skills and motivating them and do, you know, put in eight hours of work on a, a trail, which may be a new experience. Um, but I think the other favorite part of this one is um, even though um, the Navajo Nation and this in this community has faced you know fiscal challenges of trying to find the grants and the money. Um, I think they've shown much more leadership in championing the project, going after the state grants, um, working through the um, the bureaucratic headaches of check writing versus credit cards to get the funding to the projects. And I've been impressed with the with the. Um, support from the tribal council, uh, from the chapter rather the chapter council, and with uh, Indian Health Services and the diabetes program, and all the partners that are consistently coming to our online and and live meetings and regular participation, and they all need champions like a Daniel and a Leonard to make them happen. And as long as those champions are there, we can help move projects forward with that kind of leadership. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Communities certainly need their champions out there making projects like this a reality. Much appreciation to our three guests, Daniel Vandiver, Leonard Perry, and Attila Ballady for guiding us on an engaging audio tour of the new Get Community Project in Crown Point, New Mexico. Join us tomorrow when Native America Calling is live from the Reservation Economic Summit in sunny Las Vegas, Nevada. We'll be talking about the value of controlling the narrative that others see in your tribe or business. That's tomorrow on Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Support by the Albuquerque Hispano Chamber of Commerce's Convention and Tourism Department, providing complete convention and visitor planning services to Hispanic and Native American conventions. Information on convention and tourism services at ahcnm.org. CMS program contact local Indian healthcare provider center for medicare and medicaid service
Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davis. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.